Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. La magie de la coupe, the magic of the cup, continues with a 55-goal weekend and counting, the highlight of which was a seven-goal chase in Nantes between the Canaries and Lyon, starring the very young Ryan Cherki. Not many upsets, but several thrashings and the emergence of a fantastic four, but not the ones you're thinking of. We'll talk about all that, plus uh, some of the latest transfer stories today. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. With me today, Clinton McDovis. Hi, Clinton. Hi. Hi. Very, very happy to be here. Great to have you on, as always. And joining us on the GFFN show for the first time, but host of the preview show, Lewis McParlane. Hi, Lewis. Hello, hello, how are we? It's strange being on the other side of the, the divide. I feel like I can just enjoy it a little more, a little bit more this time. Well, I do think, yeah, that was my experience on, on Thursday, being on, on the pre-show <laughs> with you. It does feel like less effort. Oh, it's <laughs> amazing. Honest. Just get set back. It's awesome. <laughs> well then, enjoy the ride. Uh, my question to both of you before we start today is, uh, where were you when you were 16? <laughs> <laughs> Clinton, you go first. <laughs> I'm not sure. I can't even remember what I was like at 16. <laughs> just, I can't even remember. It was just so remarkable. Nothing memorable. I was probably crushing on someone or something. <laughs> well, then. Has that, has that really changed, Clinton? <laughs> wow. Nah, that's not at all. <laughs> How about you, Lewis? Oh, 16 years old, like, to think of it, it's so depressing, because I, I know what you're going to lead on to, but looking at what some of the guys do, and what I was doing at 16, not even at a school, and also in like a, in a football sense, I didn't even start playing football till I was like 19, 20, I think at 16 I was in, this is how bad it was, when I was 16, uh, our school team, so you had a school team for every year you won, I was so bad and so behind everyone, I used to play in the year below with guys that were a, a year younger than me, still taller than me and still better than me. And we, uh, I think I played two games that were like official like league games. Uh, one was a 5-0 loss and one was a 4-0 loss. I played right wing both times, hardly touched the ball for, for both matches, absolutely shell-shocked. That's what I was doing at 16. Wow. Well, I think when I was 16, that was one of the highlights of my footballing career, I would say. Uh, at the time, well, this is a, such a random story, but at the time I was living in Sri Lanka, actually. And, um... Oh, wow. <laughs> you're so... You're, honestly, Clinton, he was dropping bombs like this on Thursday as well. He was saying, oh, yeah, fans from Montpellier, I've been to Evian. Oh, just... <laughs> Sri Lanka and my high school I was on the high school team and we played in like it was a U19 national competition um, so you know I can tell you, I can say I've played on a national league level but you know Sri uh, <laughs> football wasn't that big in Sri Lanka so <laughs> so much better than me anyways I stopped at, I stopped at high school level <laughs> the reason we are talking about our younger selves is uh, because of the intense jealousy every footballer, every fan of French football feels after this weekend seeing a 16-year-old Ryan Cherki star for Olympique Lyonnais. Uh, Lyon played not on Saturday in the Coupe. They won the match 4-3. Ryan Cherki, for his second ever start for OL, scored two and assisted two. Lewis, how good is he? Sometimes when you see guys that are coming on the scene and they're you know, 16, 17, 18, basically younger than you, it's easy for guys to come on and you know they play their first match and they're so just like full of buzz and, and amazing and they can go and they can have an incredible first match. We've seen way too many cases of it down the years of guys who do that and completely just go up in a ball of flames and, and completely just drift out the game by the time they're 18, 19. You know, they get their chance and then they throw it away. Ryan Cherky is a different quantity. I was actually tweeted about him today. I was looking into him today, like, specifically. 
just to show that he is of a different cloth, a different makeup. He's not like something we've seen in, in recent times. I'm not trying to say that he's going to be as good as Mesa or things like that, but what I mean is with youth players coming through, he just seems like a different cloth, one that will be in a national team, one that will win trophies at some point. When you look at him directly and just watch his play, his touch, his movement, his his awareness on the pitch is just so above his years. And for a player that's been so hyped for the last 12 months, you know, he was linked with Barcelona, Real Madrid, all these teams at age 15 wow. before even kicking a senior football. And to have all that pressure on you, all these articles, Manchester United wanting you, all that, sign a contract to Leon, keep it to 2022, and to stay as focused as he did, come into the first team after playing in the Nacional do for a couple of years, and make his mark on, on Nantes and against, I can't remember who scored his debut goal against, uh, but just to make that mark so early previous, in his career. Previous round, yeah. Yeah, the chip, I can't remember who was against. Yeah, um, um, Bourgogne-Presse that was, yeah. Yes, so it was Bourgogne-Presse. But to do that over a course of like three or four games now, you know, he's had a, he's had a little stretch into the team under Garcia to go and do that consistently and to just wow people consistently. <laughs> really, I think, just shows the quality that he has. I've, I've I've rarely been as excited about a striker that I have about Cherokee. You know, it's easy to see a guy go and score a goal, but it's kind of messy. But he got on the end of it, you know, and you say, oh, he's 16, he's just scored his first goal. The two goals that Cherokee scored against Nantes were beautiful. They were incredible. The, if you've seen the, the two goals... The second one, fantastic movement, fantastic placement inside the yeah. inside the pitch. He knew exactly where to go, like a striker, like a striker played hundred matches, knew exactly where to go. And for the first goal, that little touch to not finish it first time, but just to take it around the keeper in a space that's not three yards wide, is incredible. I, I honestly cannot stress how good this guy is right now. At age sixteen, he's been playing senior football, men's football since age fifteen. And it shows he is, he is of a different cloth, if that answers your question. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, uh, that was quite, quite lyrical. <laughs> I, I just love him. I can't, I can't express it. Like, just, just, just see him come onto the scene. He is just incredible, incredible player. Uh, did you want to add anything, Clinton? Uh, yeah, he uses both feet um, mm. equally well. And... For like a year now, um, I've been seeing compilations of him in the under, under <laughs> something or things or something. All those other games that he has been playing before coming to the first team, and I just kept seeing. I wasn't so sure what foot it was, you know, good good with, or what what foot was a strong foot. Because one minute he was scoring a free kick with his right foot, and the next minute he was scoring a free kick with his left foot, and it moved, <laughs> like it was so confusing. Then I remember. Um, when he came on for Leon in some some uh, months back uh, under Garcia, um, I think that was his debut or something. Mm-hmm. And forgotten team he was against, but he came on and I thought, okay, he was a left footer. And then there was one run he made with his, and he was on his right foot and he was just getting past everyone. I was like, Whoa, what what foot does he use? And overall, I think he's a fantastic talent, and I'm so excited to see him. Um, this is one more guy. And, you know, they've been saying that he's going to be, like, he's the best talent that Leon have ever had, probably. And he's already been around ahead of Benzema, Ben Affa, and all those guys. And, I mean, for that to happen, it means that there's really something about him. And from what I've seen so far, I think he could, he could even surpass all those guys. Yeah, but the question now becomes... Um, and I, I think I would have quite a kind of conservative view on this, but it becomes how much does Lyon want to use a player of his talent or any player really at that at such a young age, at 16, you know, playing against fully grown men and so on. Uh, how the debate now has kind of moved towards, you know, whether Lyon need to bring in more strikers. Uh, they've just signed Carl Tokoikambi, and, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but... Uh, you know, do they need how many more strikers do they need if they can rely on him? But Lewis, how do you see it? How much can Lyon, you know, count on on such a young player? I, I know what you mean. You don't want to count on such a player. You know, it doesn't matter mm. how good a start he has, but you never want to rely on a player who's barely sixteen. Um, and I understand that, and that's why 
Toko Kambi's been brought in, who I think is a good, um, a good, a good signing. But we'll talk about that in a while. I think if you're Leon and you are backing this kid, you know, it's it's easy to go. This is a guy who's come through the academy, and you know, we're going to give him a chance. And then you can go. This guy's the best talent we've had come through our academy in recent years. We're going to back him, and we're going to trust him. If he's a 16-year-old and he's coming into the senior game and he's shown that quality, he must have a certain degree of maturity about him. And if Leon want the kid to go far, I think they should give him a little bit of, not responsibility, but you know, I think they should count on him. I think they should count him as a first-team player, as a crucial part of the first team. Memphis Depay's out the game now. Triori's waned in recent years. Why not give Cherokee a, a, a bigger mantelpiece? It, the, you know, the saying goes, if you're old enough, you're good enough. And I think Cherokee is good enough and good enough to be given that responsibility. Obviously, I don't think they should completely just expose him 100%. Some kids, mm. you know, the kids of different maturity need a little bit more coverage than others. Like, for instance, Kamavinga has had no issues with just being chucked into PSG matches, cup finals, all that jazz. He's, he's of a different level. Again, I don't know what Cherokee is like as like a person. That's what Leon have to decide. But personally, I think if they do want to get the best out of him, it shows that they just need to keep him playing, keep playing and keep the momentum going. I mean, right now, Cherokee, I don't know where he is, but he'll be sitting absolutely buzzing at what's happened over the last month, month and a half. They mm-hmm. have to keep that going. You don't want to kill that momentum. I personally think they should rely on him. Line him as a player. You've got Toko Kambi now. You've got other fantastic attackers in your team, other guys that can chip in with a goal. But keep Cherokee in and amongst the first team. Don't pass up the opportunity that he's given. It's not like he's coming to the first team and he's not delivering and you're trying to, you know, still give him an opportunity in case he in case he cracks on. He's come in and he scored like three goals and got two assists in what, five matches? For a sixteen year old at senior level, I think they have to stick with him. I honestly think they need to trust him a little bit and, and keep him in the first team and, and rely on him as a first team striker. Yeah, I mean I see what you mean, but I'd be worried kind of physically, you know, because it, it the, the efforts required are to play at the level that Lyon plays or you know any Lyon team plays are so so demanding and it, it it can entail risk and for for a player of his age to be I mean I just think of you know other examples of players like him who at 16 were thought to be brilliant and some were able to go on and play without injury um as has been the case for for Gamavinga for I mean he's only 17 so far but you know, he's had no sign of worry, as was the case for maybe, I don't know, Wayne Rooney, for example, when he kind of broke out onto the scene at 16. But there's other examples. And I think of Neil Mopé, who was the youngest ever player in Ligue 1 uh, back in 2012. Um, and he, uh, well, he, not the youngest ever player, actually, but, uh, he, you know, he, he was just barely 16 when he started in, in Ligue 1 in 2012. Lasted a few months, scored a few goals, and then hurt his knee ligaments and, and didn't really play much from, from then on. But, and, you know, for a few years he kind of disappeared, but we see today that he's as good as we could have hoped for, really. He's scoring goals for Brighton after some, some two great seasons with Brentford down in kind of lower league English football. And my concern with Cherki is really, well, on the one hand, he's he's ready to be playing with the first team, that's evident, and you know, there were these stories in the press and so on that he was very disappointed last week not to have appeared and that he went on to play terribly for the reserves. And, you know, he, he he's, if he's not played with the first team, he will be disappointed. And I don't know, it could be a kind of conflictual situation. But you have to preserve him. And you, I I would not make him a regular starter, I, in my opinion. And I was I was quite relieved in a way to see Rudy Garcia saying firstly that he uh, com- completely understands like he appreciates the problem and, and knows that he can't be relying on this team uh, on this player you know in, in the team all the time and that actually one of the reasons he put him as a number 10 on Saturday even though he prefers playing on the wing is because of that he didn't want as a winger you have more defensive work um, yeah. and number 10 was kind of a more relieved uh, relieving situation for for Cherki. Um I, I don't have any. I don't know if you want to add any thoughts to that, Clinton, before we talk 
a little bit more about the yeah. game itself. But. I, I, I think it's absolutely important that um, the club protects him and doesn't, I mean, it's easy to get excited by the talent because he obviously looks like a world-class talent that could go on to do great things. But at the same time, they have to be careful to not get carried away, which is also very important because also, first of all, um, young players playing too many games at a young age can have a detrimental effect on them in the long term. So you have to be careful of that. And also, um, putting, letting him handle too much pressure too early can also be a problem. And we know how new age fans can get. I mean, it doesn't matter the age the player is. Once the expectations are raised and maybe he's... he's start, of course, young players will always be inconsistent. But fans are not known to be very patient, especially these days. So it has Especially Lyon fans. Yeah. It has to be two, three bad games and they're already on his neck and all of that it could be a problem. So it's important for the manager to um, handle the situation properly. Of course, he should get minutes. He should sometimes he should start games and all of that, but shouldn't give him too many minutes. Maybe sometimes by the 50th, 60th minute, take him off or start him from the bench and bring him on to make a difference against tired legs or something. But not to you know for him to play too many games at this stage because he's still pretty young. So I think um, the club have a responsibility um, to not put too much pressure on him and to protect him. And I think also the media have a responsibility to also protect him and not, you know, get too carried away as well. So mm -hmm. it's, it's on everyone. Really. Um, if we look at the match as a whole, Lyon were up 4-1 and conceded twice in, in the last 10 minutes, almost blowing their lead. Uh, Lewis, it was, you know... Lyon almost pulled a, a Lyon there, no? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I guess it kind of still shows the 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 frailties and kind of the worries that are still there regarding Rudy Garcia as a manager. Like you have to remember when he was brought in, he he was literally met with boos and met with confusion and and unhappiness for a reason because people thought he might not have ended his story at Marseille in the best way. And even though Leon have picked up a little bit recently, and you know they have had the feel-good stories of Cherky and and Kakare, you have to remember that those worries still remain. And I think they kind of showed in this match. Leon got a little bit complacent and really let not into the match. And with players who are coming into their game recently, like Moses Simon and also Imran Luza, they punished them. And and if Leon hadn't been a little bit more if they hadn't been as fortunate to score those early goals, it really could have cost them in this game. And with all due respect to Nantes, who aren't a fantastic attacking team, they're better more at the back. If it happens against bigger teams, if that happens, you know, in the Champions League in a couple of weeks' time or against a PSG, against a Marseille, they won't be as lucky to, to win 4-3. That's not sustainable, you know. So I think there are still some question marks to be done at the back. Denier is pretty assured of himself at this time but you know there are still question marks over Anderson for instance and, and yeah that defensive part of the game still really just needs to be a bit more assured to be honest yeah although Nantes were also quite disappointed to concede four in, in one match even though you know they've been pretty solid defensively this season and that hasn't I think that was the most they, they conceded um Right, let's talk. So Lyon advanced to the next round. Uh, their opponents will be... They're playing Nice away. On Tuesday, they have another cup match, and that's a Coupe de la Ligue semi-final at home to Lille. Uh, what do we think ahead of this one, guys? Uh... Uh, personally, I think um, Lille probably advanced from this game. I don't trust Lyon in this <laughs> <laughs> they disappointed me last year uh, when they were home, they were home against Ron. I was desperate for a Lyon, um, Lyon PSG final in the um, Coupe de France, and Lyon bottled it at home. So I'm not, I'm not very confident about you know their chances. But of course, it's a game that that is 50-50. Could go either way, and obviously Lille are not very good away from home. Mm. So it's it's very very um, hard to call, but I think um, it'll probably be a close game, and Lille will. Need... I'm not 
I can't I can't really really be sure of that though. It might even go to penalties or something. But um, yeah, I think um, I think Lille will win. Yeah. All right. What about you, Lewis? It's it's a tough one because is the match in Lyon? Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one because Lyon have been a little bit more assured at times recently. At home, they have been putting in some some considerably better performances compared to when they were earlier in the season. I just think Lille, as much as they might not be getting as... Well, well no, they are doing pretty well, I guess, at the moment, Lille. I just feel Lille are a bit more settled. Lyon are still in that early period under Garcia where things are going a little bit crazy. He's working out who he wants to play here and there. Cherky's come on and give him a whole headache. Who do I play here? Who do I play there? Which will be tough. In this match as well, it's also putting up questions about who do you play where. I think Lille, just at the moment, are a little bit more settled. They've they've won some good games recently. I mean, the only shock they've had in the last few weeks was the defeat to Monaco. Apart from that, they've been pretty consistently... Well, I guess the Dijon defeat as well. But, you know, mm. I think they've pretty consistently been racking up some wins and whatnot. And some players are starting to finally show a little bit more quality in the last game, Remy and Osimhen, both of them got on the score sheet, which was which was good. And players like Araujo have started to show their quality a bit more in recent weeks. I think it will be a bit of a crazy game. I can see both teams scoring. I, I don't doubt that. Um, I think Leon still have that capability. It's just their questions at the back. Lille, generally, you would say, are a little bit more assured defensively than Leon, um, especially if some of Leon's defenders have a, have some erratic performances, as you could say they have had in recent weeks. I got to say, because Lille are just a little bit more assured at the moment, and they've got that man of Simhen up front, I think they will nick it. But it should be tight, and I, I expect it to be quite a good match. The, these um, semi-finals in the Coupe de Ligue, if I remember, have been quite good in the last few years. So I'm, I'm going to tip this one in favour of Lille, I think. Right. Uh I'm not going to call it one way or the other because, as I always say with Lyon, I always get it wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I will be so bold as to say that I think, like you, Lewis, there there will be a lot of goals. I mean, yeah, like on Saturday between Nantes and Lyon, I, I'm hoping for, for a good spectacle here. Uh, let's move on to the next coup match and talk about PSG, uh, who won 1-0 away to Lorient. Uh, PSG, the the monster of, of French football, uh, playing in the lowest scoring, joint lowest scoring match of the weekend, uh, somewhat surprisingly, um, beating Lorient, who are top of Ligue 2. So it's it's not they're not a bad team, I would say. Um, any thoughts on this one, guys? I mean, I don't know if there's that much to say, really. <laughs> yeah, PSG, I were... think it was a very it was a bore fest. <laughs> it, was, it was a horrible game, very, very horrible game. Uh, it was pretty boring. I must have fallen asleep at least three, four times. <laughs> I think the only exciting thing about the game was Thiago Silva's performance. He was really good. That's from the PSG perspective. And um, Enzo Lefe, it was also very good. Uh, Levin Kozawa also got destroyed. <laughs> Like ah, yes. again and again. So, <laughs> in fact, at some point, I think Lorient were, try- were targeting him just so they could get some way in. And <laughs> overall, though, it was a poor game. And also, Ikadi. Uh, now, this is the third game in the And um, it's not it's not that he hasn't it's not the fact that he hasn't scored that is the real problem. It's his general lack of involvement, although it's improved in this game with you know he got more than twenty touches at uh, finally all along and getting what seven, ten touches, you know, per game and here mm. he got twenty over twenty. So that was good. I got some key passes, but he really didn't get any shots per se. He had one off target and that was about it. He's just he needs to. I feel like he needs to be more aggressive. You know, fight for for balls, get into. Of course, he gets into great positions. But when he's not seeing the balls, when he's not getting service, he needs to get in there and just rough it up a bit. So um, that's that's a big problem for PSG right now, especially in the big, bigger games when you know they would need him to be that kind of player. So um, I think that's the only worry. Uh, but overall, it was a very, 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 very boring game. 
and PSG were able to nick a goal late and get through. Uh, I think that's just um, a, like a byproduct of the type of player that, that Icardi is sometimes. If you are that box striker that doesn't really contribute to build-up and is just there to kind of get at the end of, of moves, sometimes you can fall fain to that where you just kind of drift out of matches. I mean, Icardi had, I think it was the lowest, or at the least touches in the game, even less than like... Lorient's goalkeeper and whatnot, like he, he just failed to get involved and whatnot. But that's just a bit of a byproduct of the type of player he is. But with this game generally, it said a little bit more about Lorient and PSG. I feel it just showed that they are getting getting closer to that league and quality. Uh, they gave them a really good match uh, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things to hold them to a one yeah, nil. Um, and you know, this is a team that this is a club that has been out of Ligue 1 for three or four years now, I think. Um, and it finally shows that under Plissier, my boy, Amion royalty, it looks as if they are <laughs> finally slowly pushing their way back to, to the right bit of French football. And also Enzo Le Fay, what a dribbler. Oh, my days. So I think he had like, like a ten, eight, eight ten dribbles. Eight and, and nine. Eight out of nine. Eight or something. Oh, he was PSG, going past insane. kids like they weren't there. Yeah, insane. Yeah. yeah. Um, PSG after the match were uh, kind of unhappy with the quality of the pitch and you know having to attack a side that was parked in front of the in front of their own box. Um, I I hope they uh, they get the video analysis done for their upcoming opponent because they're very much in for the same kind of uh, spectacle against a, probably a better team in Reims now unless a miracle has happened in the last two weeks. The Reims pitch is absolutely disastrous. And uh, that is the other Coupe de Ligue semi-final, which takes place on Wednesday. Uh, does anyone see Reims with the cup set here? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> no Give us your reasons. <laughs> well, we've seen that PSG are vulnerable to teams that can... Um, tag them from like on the counter or something and I think that um, Rams are a very solid team they have a very good structure and they're very organized defensively so if if they're able to hold like they did in Paris um, you know months ago in their 2-0 win in the mm-hmm. league if they're able to hold like that and attack I, I, I remember Boulay just go that day um, <laughs> one counter attack at the end and then he scored this acrobatic goal and it was just amazing if they can do more of that I mean we saw that PSG obviously have some weaknesses when they play their 4-2-2-2 um, four, 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 two, 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 uh, mm. or 4-4-2 four, four, or whatever so um, I think Rams have a chance it's not going to be easy of course where we'd expect to see Neymar and Mbappe and you know those guys are very devastating and that's one thing that they didn't and PSG didn't have when they lost to Rams earlier this season. Um, Mbappe didn't play that game. It was just Neymar, so it was it was harder for them. But this time around, they would have both, so it's going to be a problem for Rams. But I feel like if they can get it, you know, to get past 90 minutes, they could take it. And also, if if um, Disasi and Adelamid are on form. Uh, their best plus Hassan Kamara and um, Thomas Fockett, then I think um, they they stand a huge chance. I I think they'll do it. Like, but I'm I'm known to be very optimistic about underdogs. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think if um if this game was played like a month ago or or two months ago, right when Rams were in that purple patch and they were just kind of beating everyone and and looking so exciting then we could have a really good game on our hands here. But Rams' form the last few games has slightly dropped off. I mean, they were <clears throat> a little bit unlucky against Amion, the 1-1 draw, because Amion only scored via a penalty rebound. Um, but Amion did have their chances in that game. Against Nîmes, yeah, they went down to 10 men, but did they really offer much before that? Not really. Uh, against Strasbourg, they weren't fantastic. Against Monaco, I know Monaco were under Moreno in their first match and whatnot, but still a little bit disappointing. It's just a shame that the match has come when it has, because I think Raps could have really given them a game if the confidence and, and the momentum had been there. But it's just been a little bit waning over the last few weeks, so I think it could turn out to be just like a a solid like 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 two 0 win for PSG or something. I don't see Raps scoring. To be honest, um, unless like 
Kutesa puts in another world <laughs> or something like that, I really don't see them breaching that back line. Well, that's funny because I, I was thinking about it the other way as well, uh, kind of an opposite way as you, Lewis. I was thinking it's a shame this match isn't happening in two months after they play each other in the yeah. league again because Reims has beaten PSG in both of their previous two con- last two confrontations yeah. um, both the early one this season and the last day of the season last season and I'm thinking PSG will probably want their revenge after uh, those results and it'd be nice if they could kind of you know thrash Reims in the league where it doesn't make a huge difference and Reims can come back again as a kind of surprise in the cup and and and, and beat them then but so yeah in normal circumstances you know PSG at, at home, well, any big team at home is kind of, it, it's good omen for, for Reims. Uh, but yeah, it would be pretty extraordinary if they managed to make it three in a row. And I, I'm not sure if that can can happen. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, that's it for the Coupe de la Ligue. Uh, let's uh, quickly go over some of the other uh, Coupe de France um, striking Coupe de France results. Uh, let's begin with the other match we talked about on the previous show, Louis, in Montpellier-Caen, a 5-0 win for Montpellier. Now, Louis, I think on the previous show, I, I coined this, uh, <laughs> the, the term for the alternate Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> in Régis Savanier, Gaëtan Laborde, Florent Mollet, and Andy Delors, all of them scored on on Sunday, uh, did you guys have any thoughts on on, on that performance? Okay, uh, I thought it was a very very excellent performance from Montpellier. I think they've looked very good recently, and Teji Savani is pretty much driving everything. He's like the backbone of everything that they're doing right now. Mm. There was a pass he gave yesterday that was just insane. Like my jaw just dropped. It was with his left <laughs> foot. And he hit it once and in the air and just went straight to the person that he was that was running onto the ball right in front of him. It was a crazy pass. And overall, um, Laborde is in crazy form now. Um, the Lord, of course, is his the Lord. Um, Florent Mollet and then Savanier. All of them, they looked really good, like really, really good all game. And they could have scored a lot more, you know. And overall, I think it's just. Recently, they've just looked like the kind of team that can, you know, put in a run for um, a Champions League spot in the league. Um, mm. They won four games in a row now, and that performance was just excellent, really. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly did. <laughs> this was deal. Yes, Lewis, sorry. Uh, what's French for the Fantastic Four again? I've seen it getting chucked about here, but I don't know what it is. Le quatre Fantastiques. <laughs> Yes, I got the fantastique, sure of that. Um, a lot of the time when you get these, you know, these attacking threes or attacking fours and whatnot, there's usually one guy that kind of gets forgotten and, and kind of gets undervalued. Like, for instance, last year with um, Pepe and, and Ikone and Bamba, I thought Ikone was like the necessary just fulcrum of that attack that mm-hmm. kind of got undervalued because he didn't get so many like direct assists or direct goals but he just liked the play yeah. so well yeah. um and that that guy for this season is flora Mollet. like whack haircut just has been that has been <laughs> like leading it for them um flora Mollet in league in this season for players that have like a respectable minutes played he is the sixth highest for expected assists uh, per 90 minutes and in this like attacking four for Montpellier, you could say he is really the, the fulcrum for it. I, I know Teji Savanier went away and, and had his injury at the start of the season and then came back and reminded us all how bloody good he is. But Molly has just been consistent, creating big chances for Delors and Laborde. I don't have the numbers at hand, but I know earlier in the season it was either Delors or Laborde. I think it may have been Delors who had like missed the most big chances this season. And it was just all because Mullet would just do a mad run, chip it to the back post, and Delors would not know where he was and would just loft it over. But like, if he'd scored all those goals, the amount of assists that um, Mullet would have on top of this would just be insane. Like, Mullet's been running the game and he's only got two assists. 
but he's got like mm. four and a half expected assists. Like people have just, as much as they're playing quite well now, Montpellier, Laborde and Delors could have had a lot more goals just because of the fantastic play that's been done behind them. But generally, this front four, I think it's so refreshing to see. You see so often players getting sold and players getting pushed on to other teams because they start playing well. But Montpellier have held on to their players, for now at least. And you know, you're seeing the benefits for that. Delors and Laborde, even last season, were one of the best front twos in France. And now with Malay yeah. really hints of form and Savani bolstering the team, Montpellier looked like an outfit, man. Like, they are come together really well. And they, this five goals they slapped past Khan just showed the quality that's kind of oozing out of Montpellier right now. It must be a great time to be, to be a Montpellier fan. Just the last few years, just been consistent improvement, improvement, improvement. Hmm. I, I like to say that Florent Mollet kind of looks like a like a discount Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> Most physically, anyway, he wins. They were born the same year. Yeah. But as you say, Lewis, like they're all kind of the, the teams gelling super well and they all look like staying where they are. I mean, Delors was, was saying that today as well in the press, saying that, you know, he wants to give everything for Montpellier and stay just there, which I think is great. And I think the fans love it as well because the four of them, well, apart from Mollet, all three are, are, kind, are from the south. Um, Delors is from just next to Montpellier Savanier is from Montpellier um, and Jordan Ferry as well who doesn't get included in that four count but has been playing with them pretty well as well is, is from not far and it's just got a kind of great local feeling to it um, in, in other Montpellier news Suleiman Kamara made his 430th appearance on Saturday becoming on Sunday uh, becoming the most capped ever player for the club Here's a bit of trivia. Can you name the highest goal scorer for Montpellier? Um, uh, I have no idea. I'm not even going to try and hazard a guess. It is. No, Giroud was was only there for two seasons, I think. Um, Yeah, I was just joking. (laughs) It is Laurent Blanc. Oh, oh. They, oh, the golden locks, absolutely, half in the back post. I can actually see that now. Yeah, he was a, because he started as a midfielder and, and he would take penalties yeah. and free kicks and obviously he was very good with his head as well. And he scored 84 goals for Montpellier. Um, yeah, he's a club legend, of course. Um, let's continue and talk about, uh, very quickly, Paris FC. Hosted Saint-Étienne, it was a 3-2 win for Saint-Étienne with a late winner from... This was a really good game, by the way. A late winner from Mathieu Debuchy. Uh, can anyone guess how many goals Mathieu Debuchy has scored since he arrived at Saint-Étienne two years ago? I know he definitely has one own goal, like two years okay. ago against PSG <laughs> in like the last minute. I just want to say that instantly. Yeah, that game um, was horrible. Yeah, one of like my favourite... Um, like. What's that German word that's like taking joy in the pain of others? That's like my favorite video for that. Schadenfreude. Yeah, Schadenfreude. Like, that's just my favorite moment for that. It's awful. Debussy uh, doesn't score a lot. I don't know, two? No, he's got nine. Nine? Nine. And he scored more than two, definitely. Because <laughs> he always, always seems like he's scoring. Especially that time he arrived. I think he arrived in January and scored four goals or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he brings a lot going forward and he hasn't really played much in the past few weeks. I think he's been injured too. Uh, but it was so it was his first start in a while and it's uh, great to see him scoring against, uh, you know, scoring a winner in a, in a cup match like that. It seemed like a good moment. Um, the goal scorers for Paris FC in that match were Jérémy Menez and Jonathan Pitropa. Playing for Saint-Étienne was Mathieu Debuchy, Johan Cabay. It felt like being in 2012 again. I mean, <laughs> this, this was some vintage yeah. <laughs> um, players. And yet yeah. the guy who scored for San Etienne was 19 years old. Just, just slapping it. Oh, was that Chal- Charlabi? Oh, yeah. Charlabi, wee, wee, wee. Oh. Yeah. He... Yeah, no. Some um, of the players in this game, though. Seeing, seeing Jeremy Menez back on the scene was hilarious. He's been, he's been away for years. Where was he playing before this? He, before he came to Paris, Mexico, I think. Yeah, I think he was um, away for so many years. 
you know, it gave San Etienne the runaround a few times when he was back in France. Came back, scored. They must have been like, geez, we can't get rid of this guy. Come on, like, do not go away. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, the only other uh, tie between two Ligue 1 teams was Dijon-Nîmes. And another 5-0 win there for the home side, Dijon. Uh, guys, Dijon looked pretty good in, the, in this one, no? Yeah, they were excellent. And they, they just ran through Nîmes. It was, it was just one-way traffic. <laughs> and um, I think this is what this game showed me and the last few weeks I've shown is that my faith in Dijon has not been misplaced because I remember when they were 20th and I, I tweeted that um, they are so much better than 20th position that they are. Mm. That was like uh, two, three months ago. I said, this team is actually way better than this. They were, at that time, I think they were creating like the third highest number of chances in Ligon, like more than everybody, but they were 20th. So it was, it was just a bit of a disconnect between chance creation and um, finishing. So I said, okay, their process is good. Um, we saw them against PSG. They were excellent and they won that game. And um, they were also um, the team that went, that were the first to score two goals against Rhymes. And they did that away from home. Even PSG had not scored against them. Monaco had not, Marseille had not, um, Lyon had not. And then Dijon went and did that. So I, I, I just kept saying that this team is way better than they look or like than the results show. And I think it's starting to come together now. They won three on the charts. They beat Lille with um, 10 men for the most part last last week. And, you know, this was a, a fantastic performance. Mavididi grabbed uh, two goals. Chier was amazing as usual. And generally, it was just, it was just great to see. I think that they, they are in a good um, period now and they just need to build on the momentum going forward. Yeah, the, the thing about um, Dijon is they've got a surprisingly, you know, at the, at the start of the season, no one probably saw it coming, but they've got a surprisingly good crop of players that have just started to really hit their development at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Bra- Brian Samari and Steffi Mavadidi are, are the ones that are probably are just a little bit behind, but Munir Chawier has been un- unplayable at times, and Mama Baldi every now and then just turns up and you're like, whoa, how did he, he do that? Like, Mama Baldi, I think, is the dark horse for me. Like, he does just really contribute a lot. But the thing is, <clears throat> when they play in 4-2-3-1 and they have Tavares up top and whatnot, all he has to do is just kind of stand in the box and the ball will get to them. They've got such creative attacking midfielders coming in right now. And I think it's only a matter of time before they start really ramping up the goals. I'm pretty sure they have the biggest differential between their actual goals scored and expected goals. Yeah, like they've scored 15 goals in, in the league this season, but their expected goals is 20. Like that's the biggest differential wow. in the league bar bar Lille. Um, and that's just because they create amazing chances, but their finishing sometimes just a little bit off, which is what you can kind of get when you have such a young team up front. Um, I mean, apart from Tavares, Mavadidi's what, 20, Chawir's 20, Samari's 20. I might be a little bit off with that, but you know, you have some young attackers, so you are going to miss chances. But it's all starting to come together now. I don't think they should be worried too much about, about relegation unless a lot of the players just went completely off the boil. They are starting to put together a very interesting team, and I really like watching them, actually. Um, John Durkadis has also been scoring a few goals for them, and he scored against Nîmes, I mean, this weekend. He scored, I think, the worst Panenka I've ever seen. It barely <laughs> went off the ground, bounced before the line, um, but somehow went in, so, you know... It, it's it, my it, type of penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, some other scores very quickly. Atletico Marseille hosted Rennes and uh, lost 2-0. Uh, there were some disruptions there as kind of OM fans showed up and, and had flares and so on. Our favourites, Saint-Pierroise from Réunion, did not make it through to the next round this time. Oh. They lost to Epinal. They played for over 100 minutes with a man down, uh, but they conceded in extra time. And uh, that's the end of, uh, of their story, unfortunately. Now, let me just go back and find the draw here. Oh, by the way, Monaco is beating Saint-Privé-Saint-Hilaire. It's the last minute right now, and it's 3-1 for Monaco. So they'll be through as well. Uh, Monaco will be playing Saint-Étienne 
in the next round, which is probably the biggest match here. Uh, oh, Marseille-Strasbourg wow. is one. Angers-Rennes. Nice-Lyon. Those are the Liga clashes. PSG will be playing away to Pau. Pau uh, beat Bordeaux on Thursday. We talked about that on the preview show uh, a little bit. Mm. Um, and the FFF announced earlier today they would look into whether that match would have to be moved somewhere else because of the terrible quality of, of pitch at Pau Stadium. Um, I'm sure Bordeaux fans will be you know, very annoyed to hear that they, the match wasn't moved when it was them, but when it's PSG, it, it might be <laughs> somewhere else. Um, and the lowest ranking team left in the draw is Limonet from 5th Division, hosting Dijon. Those matches happen in the midweek next week. Right. Um, let's. I'll give you the quick summaries for the rest of the, the weekend stuff, and we'll talk about transfers. Uh, there was a Ligue 2 match for some reason this weekend between Guingamp and Lens. Uh, it was 1-1, which means that Lorient stays first with a one-point lead on Lens. And in the Women's League, a shocking result as Lyon failed to win. It was a 0-0 draw against Bordeaux. Uh, PSG, for their part, won 11-0 against OM. Uh, <laughs> poor Marseille got thrashed by Lyon in the Cup last week and, and again by, by PSG this week. Again, for uh, in case you don't know, they only got promoted to first division this year, so it's not like you know they're not they're not quite there yet. I don't, but um, that that hurts, and it definitely got some attention from PSG fans on social media. Uh, in any case, it's a three point gap between Lyon and PSG at the top of the league. There, right on to transfers. Let's begin with Lyon, where it's been super active. Uh, Clinton. Carl Tokwekambi, possibly, uh, no, not possibly, signing confirmed today, a loan for a fee of 4 million euros, I believe. Um, what do you think of that? Um, I think that um, it's a great signing. I'm a fan of uh, Tokwekambi. Uh, absolutely loved him at uh, Manger, and I was always rooting for him at Villarreal because, you know, Whenever a league one player goes out, I want to see you know how they develop and all of that. And I think he did pretty well for them. Uh, he double figures last season. There was on course this season as well. And um, right now, he's the kind of player that Leon needs because he's he's a player that can play you know across the front line. He can play anywhere, and he he what he brings, he can finish, can take on players, he can move very well and all of that. And I think it's a very very smart signing. That Leon have made, and it's also a very important signing because they need a player like him now with all the injuries that they've had. So I think it's a great signing, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he combines with uh, Musa, Musa Dembele, and the rest. And um, I, I think he could he could hit ten goals before the season is over. Um, so here's the details: Toko Kambi, who was sold for oh no, why is my page in dollars here? I don't know if people want to hear those <laughs> numbers. <laughs> Uh, let me let me give that a refresh. Sorry, give it to us in yen. There we go. He was sold to VRL for 18 million euros by Angers. Right, that sounds familiar. Um, yeah. And the deal today is a loan with a fee of four million and a option to buy of 11 million euros in the summer, with uh, potential bonuses of another four million. The deal also includes a 15% sell-on fee percentage or so 15 sell-on fee percentage or 50 if the player is sold this summer. Um, so th those are the numbers on this one. Uh, there's also stories concerning well, there's been approached by Lyon for Le Havre striker Tino Cadewere, who has scored 18 goals so far this season in Ligue 2, top score in Ligue 2. Uh, I mean, that would certainly be a strong reinforcement to the attack, him and, uh, and, and Toko Ekambi. Um, Lewis, the other story just out of Lyon is that Hertha Berlin have made another offer for Lucas Tuzar. I don't know if you've seen this. It, it was announced just before uh, we started recording. They made an offer back in December, I think, for 20 million. And this is an offer for 25 million. Uh, you know, it... it do you think that Lyon will change their mind given how easily they refused it last time? 
Mm, so, so what? This is for twenty-five million euros. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of money, <laughs> and we've seen. So you've seen Kakare come into the team, not out of nowhere, but definitely unprecedented, come into the team and really made a really good impression. He's another excited player. Jean Lucas has been given a bit more game time that he didn't really get under Savinho, if my mind treats me correctly. Um, and you've also got Thiago Mendes for that position. Um, only issue is it's a little bit, little bit light in that you know that kind of centre mid, slightly defensive mid um, position. When's Adalid supposed to be out? Is he just the whole season? Is what we're oh, taking? Oh, whole about? season. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I know he's not overly defensive, but he can kind of get played in that slightly deeper position sometimes. I would say if you're two star, you go definitely. Um, you go, you become a first team player. I imagine at Berlin, and you can keep, make a really good opportunity. That's what um, uh, Diaby's done at Leverkusen, and it's what. Uh, what's the guy in Kunku has done mm. at Leipzig and has, he went on to have fantastic careers there. I think if you're too smart, you go. Leon is a little bit more tricky. If you have no injuries, yeah, sell him. 25 million, I think, for a player who's 22 and, let's not lie, he's not really turned into a world beater, has a good game every now and then, but isn't consistent enough. I think you cash in on him. Only difficulty is with the injury problems. If they come back to them in the summer, sure. But I think purely because of those injury issues, and if they do want to go quite far in the Champions League and make a make a, a real go of it, they hold on to Toussaint. It's it's a little bit difficult one, but yeah, those are kind of the two sides of the deal. I think, um, but it would be a good move for for Berlin without me knowing too much about their squad. Um, and Clinton, another story out of Lyon also from today, and related to this one actually, because if they sell, uh. If they sell Tuzar, you know, the question is who's, do they need a replacement? Is a player like Maxence Cacré enough? There have been uh, rumours in the past few days for, uh, concerning a Lyon bid for another defensive midfielder in Bruno Guimaraes from Atletico Paranense in Brazil. I don't know if you're familiar with this player, Clinton. Um, um, I've, I've seen a few things about him and I've checked him out a bit, but I can't, I can't really give an opinion, an informed okay. opinion, because I've not watched him enough. But um, I do think he's he's very highly rated in Brazil and even outside of it. So um, is he Brazil now? He's Brazilian, right? Yeah, he is, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. he's, he's, he's highly rated in, in Brazil, apparently. Uh, I've seen a few um, Brazil-based accounts talk about him a lot and talk about him very highly. So I, I figure that um, Leon have done their homework and they probably think that he's going to add a lot of quality to them. Um, so I feel, yeah, if, if they're going to lose to Sat, then um, it makes sense that they're already making efforts to bring in a player like him to just to add to the, you know, um, already the, the midfield they already have in Kakere and um, um, Thiago Mendes and the rest. So, um, I feel if their plan is to sign him as a replacement, then it makes sense to let Tussauds go. Uh, mm. I think that um, it's probably time for Kakere to um, get in there. But you never know. The way they've been having injuries recently, you, they could have two bad injuries in one week again and be shot all over again. So my best to just keep as many you know players as they can right now. So... It, I mean, this definitely just looking at the details here, it would seem like a very complicated signing in terms of all the technicalities because uh, Lyon uh, uh, reportedly made an offer of 17 million euros. Brazil, the Brazilian team wants more, but in addition to that, they want to retain part of the ownership of the player, uh, which you know, that just makes everything uh, complicated. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's like um, old, it's like old Italy. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I read in, exactly. Mm, owning and all that. Yeah, I read in in L'Equipe, uh, I think it was today as well that they had already rejected. They rejected last year a forty million offer from a Chinese club for him. Uh, so I I don't know how likely this one is to happen. Um, but yeah, from uh, let's talk about PSG real quickly as well. Um, we someone mentioned Kurzawa earlier. I wanted to say something about this one. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of reports in the last few days that Arsenal is 
looking at signing him either when his contract runs out in the summer or signing him now for a, a fee, even though I think Arsenal has denied that. Um, I just don't understand why they would make that move. And I don't want to comment on Kosovo as a player, but just because Arsenal already has two fullbacks, two left-backs in, in Kolasinac and Tierney, and possibly another in Bukayo Saka, it doesn't make sense to me that you know you would go in for a player like Kurzawa, who some people will criticize Kolasinac, and I, I have I've an opposite view of that. I think he's still a good player, but I, in any case, Kurzawa is not a big, he's not a step up from from what we have. So mm. that that story just seems crazy to me. Um, the other kind of talking point from PSG is Cavani. We have a qu- question here from. Uh, Solivagant, who asks us, do you see Cavani better suited at Chelsea or Atletico Madrid? Um, I would have to go Atletico Madrid. Mm. I'd like, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him go to Madrid. Um, I think we'd fill that void that you know you could say Falcao left or, or or Griezmann left, and I think he'd suit their slightly more robust style of play. I think. He just doesn't have the legs right now to keep up with the way that Chelsea plays. Super quick, youthful, on the wings, balls in your box, you know, just all out, try and wear out the opponent. I don't think he'd be suited to that too much. And to be honest, I'd like to see him go to Madrid. I would, I'd just love to, to see him play there under under Simeone. Um, yeah, I think he'd probably be more suited to Madrid at this point in his career. And he would add, oh, what a striker you're getting. Like, let's not forget that. To go and just... Because they're talking about so casually. Oh, where's Cavani going to go? Uh, you're adding on <laughs> a striker with, what, 100, 200 goals in the last few years? Jesus, what a signing that is if they get him. And mm. to go and like be a bit more of a pivotal part of Madrid's um, playing squad. Oh, great signing. But yeah, I'd, I'd prefer to see him at Madrid, I think, rather than go to go to Chelsea and just be another Alexander Pato or be another Falcao or, you know, players that just kind of go there, well, no, aren't really much of the first team picture and just kind of fizzle out to nothing. I'd, I'd prefer to see him at Madrid, personally. All right. Um, some other stories very quickly. An update on Boubacar Soumare for anyone who hasn't seen it. He had an interview early uh, earlier on Monday saying that uh, he wants to stay for at least until the end of the season, at least. Uh, so that puts an end to that whole saga, I imagine. Uh, there's some other uh, slightly random stories. One which I liked. There apparently Nantes was in negotiation for the signing of uh, Bakari Sanya, who has uh, apparently <laughs> left Impact Montreal. Uh, but uh, that seems to uh, the talks were put to an end there. But I would love to see him back in Ligue 1 anywhere. Um, there's a lot of stories around Dijon as well, one of which today was the uh, approach from Wolverhampton to sign uh, Enzo Loyodice on a, on a loan with option to buy. Uh, that, that would be an interesting uh, deal for a Premier League to sign a 19-year-old Liga player on loan. Um, it's kind of strange. Uh, but you can get yeah. all of those stories at getfootballnewsfrance.com. It's going to be probably a fairly busy few days as the uh, transfer window rounds up in the, you know, between now and January 31st. Uh, before we finish, we do have some questions, some more questions from Twitter. We have one from Daniel Greenfeld asking us, how is Zinedine Ferrat faring at Nîmes? Clinton, you want to take it? Yeah, yeah, he's doing um, pretty well um, so far. He's, he's, I mean, obviously the Nîmes team haven't been very good. I think he's one of, he's been one of the bright spots for the team. And now they've been able to get, you know, some new players. They've gotten um, this guy, um, Ben Raoul, Yassin Ben Raoul from um, So that kind of eases the burden on Ferrat to create everything for Nîmes because he's, he's been the main guy. For them in terms of um, chance creation i think he has been probably our best player this season um he's, he's doing all the creation and everything so um so far i think he's done very well to make the step up from um Bidou to ligon and um easily their best player this season really so yeah he's doing well um we have a question from our colleague our GFFN colleague as well tony thomas who's asking us about om's transfers or lack thereof 
Uh, now, it's a shame Mo isn't here with us today because I wanted to talk with him about that, actually. Um, I don't know if you guys saw what happened last week with Andre Villas-Boas. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's not a very serene situation in, in Marseille at the moment. Now, apparently, never is. Yeah, that's, that's, pos- that's true. Uh, things go quite fast <laughs> in Marseille, <laughs> up and down. Um, he apparently has talked to Jacques-Henri Hérault, the president, since that press conference and uh, made peace of sorts. But he expressed his uh, disappointment at the club's kind of lack of sporting ambition and the and their uh, obsession with with trying to sell players. Uh, the kind of spark, the thing that sparked that was Marseille signing an uh, well, Marseille approaching an agent to essentially uh, uh, work on selling players to the Premier League. Um, now, I don't, I don't. There hasn't been any stories that I've seen that Marseille want to sign anybody this window, and you know, I, there's, I don't think they will because. The other story that's been coming out about them in the last few weeks is the kind of dire financial situation that they're in at the moment, in that they still have a lot of debt and they have uh, been making losses over the past two seasons and kind of not cutting those losses as much as UEFA is expecting them to. They have signed an agreement with UEFA, which is supposed to help them get back into uh, financial fair play conditions. Uh, so yeah, it's it's not a very clear situation in Marseille concerning transfers. They are in need of money. Somehow they have spent more than they have uh, than they have uh, received in the transfer market since the arrival of Frank McCourt, which goes back to those first couple of transfer windows when they you know signed Florian Thauvin or, or Dimitri Payet for for large amounts, and they haven't succeeded in, in selling Florian Thauvin or Morgan Sanson for for similar amounts. Although they did the 30 million for Frank Zambouanguisa, that was a that was a phenomenal what a coup. Yeah. well yeah there I I'm certainly concerned about that and I don't think anybody who follows Liga wants to see Villas Boas walk out in you know kind of in the same disappointment same disappointed way that Marcelo Bielsa walked out uh, after just one year. And that was, what was it? That was five years ago. Yeah. And things haven't really changed, it looks like, even though the, I mean, the ownership and everything changed. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. The th- thing is, with if you're Marseille, what you want to do is you want to look at, you want to be smart about this. You want to look at the long-term mm. ways of, of money making. You will make more money Sticking with your players, sticking with a successful squad that's currently second in Ligue 1. My dog's in my room right now trying to eat a sandwich. Um, <laughs> second in Ligue 1. <clears throat> on the verge of Champions League qualification for the first time in two years. They were there the year before last, weren't they? Or, or, or am I might be mixing uh, it up. Um, of, of what? Their last Champions League qualification? No, nah, it was a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? It was, it was a while back. I think it was seven years ago yeah. now. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm mixing up the Europa League with it. Um, yeah, you will get yeah. more money sticking with your players now, sticking with the good squads like Montpellier have done, and getting the money that you will get from the Champions League in six months' time than you will selling Morgan Sanson for $18 million to West Ham now. Hmm. You know what I mean? You have to be smart about this. Don't panic. Don't struggle. Um, that's what my advice would be to them. But looking at the moves that they've done recently, talking to this guy, I can't remember his name, but the, the boy who was who used to be in England or the agent and whatnot, who was who was supposed to be doing these deals through England, it's not good signs. With the Mercato has 11 days left. If they just shell out loads of money for some of their players now, yeah, that'll be great for the next three months. But if they miss out on Champions League, they miss out on Europa League and completely drop off and miss their the best manager they've had in quite a while and the best opportunity they've had to really go and do something good with this Marseille side, that'd just be such a shame, wouldn't it? Mm. So I think they should stick to the guns, keep going, have faith, get to May, finish second and and, and go for it from there rather than just like pulling the trigger and, and selling off Sonson and, and selling off, I don't know, Bubakar Kamara for X amount of money, I don't know. You know, I just think they should 
stay true and stay to their guns now, but I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. Yep. And uh, on that slightly not too positive note, that brings <laughs> us to, uh, <laughs> to our show today. Uh, thanks for joining us, Lewis. Fat fun. It must be said that Lewis answered a very late call to be with us, and uh, it's quite commendable of him to have uh, done that. And uh, thank you as always, Clinton, for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to talking to you guys again. Always great to have you. Uh, and as always, for the latest French football news, you can follow us on Twitter at GFFN or our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com. That's it for the show today. We'll be back next week. The preview show is back on Friday with Lewis. Thank you for listening. <laughs>